congratulations, sir. You are a mega winner. You've just won two mega jackpots for a total of $28,400. It's much more than these quarters. Call for help. Oh, well, that's what I'm here for. Let me get you a bigger bucket. Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch. From Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. This time we are discussing Twin Peaks The Return, Episode 3. Yes, this episode was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. It was directed by David Lynch. In the tradition of Twin Peaks having uh, inexplicably annoying air times, this first aired <laughs> on the internet on May 21st, 2017, but first actually aired on television on May 28th, 2017. Yes. In this episode, Cooper takes a strange journey before being sucked back into reality in the place of a manufactured body double named Dougie, somehow delaying Bad Coop's return to the Black Lodge. Hawk makes little progress in his investigation, Jacoby paints some shovels, and news of Cooper's return reaches the FBI. That is what it is. (laughs) That's what it is. I really liked this episode. Nice. Yeah. Good. I also did. Uh... This episode felt very different to me than the previous two episodes. Yeah, the previous two felt like one really long episode. And that one episode also felt like you could very cleanly – like we spent a lot of time in the last two episodes talking about how you could relate the sort of tone and pacing and even a lot of the aesthetic occurrences in those directly to a lot of David Lynch's movies between Firewalk With Me and Mm -hmm. Now – this episode is the first one to me that felt like David Lynch was actually pushing the boundaries both of Twin Peaks and maybe of his work out in a bunch of different directions that mm. he hadn't before. I don't know if that's true or not, but I especially the stuff with Cooper in the beginning of the episode just felt intense and style heavy and just weird in a way that like it 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 went. Do you want to just start off with that? that yeah, segment? I think yeah. so. And then. Um, on the other end, I guess the just the Dougie stuff was its own other yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, it's worth probably mentioning now, Kyle McLaughlin is putting in a hell of a job on yeah. this series. He is now playing three characters. But, but Cooper who, is also a different Cooper than we've ever seen before. Like playing Agent four, to Dale yeah, Cooper. He's essentially playing yes. four. Yeah. He has so far played three characters, none of whom are the Dale Cooper we saw on Twin Peaks. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, 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 it's awesome. Impressive, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I really think of them as different characters at this point. Yeah. Which is crazy because, you know, there are often often there are times where I'll see a movie with, you know, just an actor, an actress in it, and I can't think of that person as anything other than whatever they're known for. Mm-hmm. What's funny about this episode or these episodes is that he is playing characters that in some cases are basically actually the same guy. Right. And I really never, I never have that problem in my brain where I'm going like, oh, it's just Kyle McLaughlin. Like he's really nailing right. it. It's, yeah. it's great. Anyway, so this episode opens with an extremely extended sequence of Cooper in, I guess, the Black Lodge. It's, 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 it's not hard really to know because Cooper, he, he, in the last episode, one of the last things we see when Cooper is in the Red Room is the arm who is now the the tree 
yeah. yells basically non-existence as That's a phrase right. yeah, yeah, yeah. at Cooper. And then sort of the fabric of that space, which is already tenuous and unreal, starts to fall apart. And Cooper, yeah. like, the floor starts shaking apart and Cooper falls through mm-hmm. it. But then he falls through the glass room in yeah. our world before yeah. – that was the end of last episode. And I had thought, oh, he must be transitioning to somewhere sane and known. Yeah. But maybe the fact that he was sort of crushed in and out of existence again by the weird, so like it felt like he was in the glass box. Yeah. Then the box compressed him down to nothing. Yeah. And it almost felt like now seeing this episode, like maybe his like that means of getting out was somehow like rejected or something. But it felt like he was whatever it actually means. It felt like he was pushed like deeper than we've ever seen into the Black Lodge. Yeah, space. into the nether world of this universe. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Uh, and I thought that I thought that the the sequence with the sort of um, like pseudo stop motion was yeah. really really cool. Yeah. First, first though he sort of lands in yeah, what first looks he like falls almost like a like dumpster a, or something. It's just like it's, it's like, like a, a balcony. It's like a cement balcony with yeah. the sort of pink cloud outside. Yeah. And then he go he, and then an ocean and an ocean below, which was creepy but also kind of pastoral and sort of yeah. sci fi ethereal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he walks into the room and that sequence happens that I suspect. Is is probably a incredibly divisive sequence. Like there are probably people <laughs> who were on the fence about Twin Peaks season three who will see th- the sequence with the the woman with the sort of like stitched over stitched eyes, over yeah. eyes and it turning into almost like a stop motion or something evocative of like pre studio like silent film experimentation or yeah, something where right, it's like yeah, worth time yeah. and just either going wow this is exactly what I signed up for or this is exactly or, okay. what I feared yeah, the Twin right. Peaks was and it yep. has revealed itself That's to the be last that all straw. along Goodbye. and I'm out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot. I, I thought it was too. I Yeah, I don't know what it means. I, I I mean it what it felt like was totally unsettling and weird, but what it just was as an experience is literally unlike anything I've ever seen on television before. <laughs> I know. I have to keep reminding myself this is still really unusual for television. Even in an era where it feels as though television has sort of been totally unshackled, Lynch is going way further out on a limb than I than even modern television typically does. And that's not it's automatically good, obviously, it's or bad or anything, right. but it is definitely unusual. Yeah, I I agree fully with that. Like even within the specifics of this sequence from starting with if you look at Cooper's entire journey out of the red room through the electrical outlet and onto the floor yeah. of Dougie's apartment. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a series of vignettes not all of which totally clicked for me, but all of which were things that I personally had not really seen on television especially not in this context not yeah. in the context that isn't here are some things people were doing in the 70s with film yeah uh, and the the thing that i thought about w- when uh w- when i sort of came out the other side of the sequence along with cooper i guess although i still had my shoes on was <laughs> the red room and the black lodge as elements of twin peaks are things that I've been taking for granted at this point. Like when yeah. you when you first see that stuff in episode three of the first it's a really season, good point. when Cooper has his dream and there's the statues and the backwards talking and yeah. all that stuff, it was so crazy. And I mean, if you read mm-hmm. Reflections, the oral history of Twin Peaks book, or just like talk to people who saw it at the time, it was just like, what am I even seeing coming out of my mm-hmm. TV set? Mm-hmm. And now we live in, in a 
25 years post Twin Peaks right. world with Simpsons parodies and right. SNL and parodies like, of and, the, and, and like and even Twin Peaks yeah. itself we went through the yeah. first two episodes uh-huh. and it was like absolutely man you know like when Cheryl Lee showed up as Laura Palmer that was really affecting and surprising because I think because it was literally a retread of that of that scene it like sort of re-crispened that feeling in the moment but the other stuff when Coop's talking to Mike and talking to the tree it's kind of just like okay we're getting yeah, information from these it characters this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and this was like this is the sort of 2017 version of Twin Peaks successfully just challenging the view and your expectations of what's on TV and also, I think, challenging itself to try yeah. and actually push those boundaries. And like I, like I said, and like you said, it's completely subjective as to whether or not it succeeds at what it's attempting to do or yeah. if it succeeds to the viewer. Yeah. But I and think, I, I yeah. think episode three succeeds at Twin Peaks asserting itself uh, as this is a show that will change the sorts of things that are actually coming out of your television in your home. Yes. I I I definitely agree. I mean I I probably could have stood for like twenty percent less of both the uh weird black lodge stuff or whatever it is and the sort of early Dougie stuff. Yeah. Um but I don't know. That seems like a pointless quibble to make. Yeah. So yeah. do we want to actually talk through the contents of Cooper's journey? Because there's some stuff in there just from yeah, a Yeah, I mean, of... I think just like if there's stuff you want to call out as notable. I mean, I think there are sort of factual things that are notable, even if we have no clue what they yeah, mean Yeah, there's yet. little sort of plot and concrete object dots. Well, aside from just the aesthetics of this entire thing, I feel like... I think we should just generally talk about the aesthetics of this. Like it go, it starts with that sort of pink space, then goes yeah. into the um, just sort of dark, weird, stuttered room that kind of felt like a strange yeah. living room slash office, whatever. Yep. Um, then into that sort of like seventies lounge space, almost, which might have been the same room you mean at the was, end. Yeah, yeah, but was like I couldn't tell different. if it was the same set or oh, not. Oh, with yeah. in between that, a journey up into a little like metal <laughs> spaceship space. that yeah. really did feel like something out of a silent movie or something. Like it felt it like really it did. Felt it felt like, like Journey to the Moon yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah where it was set, it was, you could it was, makes no bones about yeah. it being set on a stage. All, yeah, like a, all, yeah, all of those sequences, like we've talked in the first couple episodes about, like Lynch kind of asserting his aesthetic and compositional um like unreal proclivities i guess into yeah. this this was just like you're going to get a bunch of weird david lynch short films back to back and yeah. they're kind of sequential oh that was actually another thing that i was thinking about with this episode it reminded me of a thing that we talked about when we rewatched the really early season 1 when david lynch said that a thing that was interesting to him about twin peaks and about doing a television show i think he was talking to, about this in the context of commercial breaks and the structure of tv was every scene he could treat like a short film he could write mm. every time it cuts to a new character arc or cuts to a yeah. commercial it was an opportunity to start middle and end a short scene and he sort of saw twin peaks as a series of short films this episode reveals season three to be a season which that's to which that sentence could apply, but in a completely different way. I feel like it's becoming really clear that this 18 hours will not be a sustained fire walk with me, nor will it be a sustained (laughs) retrospective look at Twin Peaks, at Lynch's looks or yeah, or a sustained uh, retrospective on Twin Peaks. It will actually probably be David Lynch doing between three and seven short films that then get intercut between that as Twin Peaks that sort of as a collage will tell the yeah. story of whatever the heck story they're telling. And this episode yeah. felt 
way more concretely like it was that, but it yeah. kind of made me look back at episodes one and two and go, okay, I think that might be what's going on. Mm-hmm. And again, that's, that's a good interpretation. Whether you like yeah. that or not, uh, it's it's maybe kind of a hard thing to like, but it's 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 interesting and cool, and I'm I, I'm into it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really interesting because the the non Kyle McLaughlin core Twin Peaks character stuff is pretty much I mean it's very much in the style of how those characters interacted and yeah. how those scenes were set up in the original Twin Peaks but everything but those are a minority of the screen time at least so far and everything bookending them yep. feels like new explorations it's also made me wonder if as the sort of at least the early part of the season seems to increasingly be revealing itself to be about the journey of Special Agent Dale Cooper going yeah. from his imprisonment slash whatever it was for 25 years in the Red Room to, like, what is his journey out and back into reality if Lynch is, and Frost are trying to tell all – have all these little story vignettes represent – like, not just the the plot contents but the stylistic contents and the pacing and everything represent all the different phases of his journey and like at a certain point is agent cooper going to get barfed back into twin peaks and it's is going to fold back together and be more cohesive and we'll see fewer yeah. of these yeah. until maybe reality starts fragmenting at the end right. i don't know i, I don't know I, I have no idea but either it, it's like at this point each it seems stage of each impossible sta- to predict yeah, yeah just we we're now in a place though where every stage of cooper's journey almost has a different it feels like it's a different mm-hmm. movie. It's like a different like movie, yeah, exactly. Um, yep. It was another. It was another version of a way to keep me on the edge of my seat, watching what the heck mm-hmm. was going on. Because it just, yep, there was no way to predict what was happening. Like when he climbed up the ladder, I did not expect him to be in a <laughs> tiny space capsule yeah. made of like a piece of sheet metal that you'd build a shed out of. Mm-hmm. Before that woman electrocutes herself out of existence, and then the face of Major Briggs floats by and just says, and says "Blue, Blue Rose." Rose. So, I mean, we should probably, I mean, I feel like we should just, for the sake of having it on the record, we should note some of the, because I, I, I will say this series, while dispensing with a lot of sort of convention and expectation, is also really indulging Twin Peaks lore in a oh. pretty straightforward way. And it's probably worth just I'm enjoying on the way that, that this stuff. show integrates that stuff far more than their previous attempt, which was Twin Peaks like season mid two. Twi- mid season two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's. But yeah. but it's still part of that also is that there's just really concrete things floating on top of what is otherwise not. Uh, you mean like the face of Major Briggs floating on top of <sighs> the galaxy? <laughs> well, what can you do? Yeah, there yeah. like there's those um, there's the panels, the, the circuit, the, the, the big sort of plug panels. One of them yeah. said three, mm-hmm. and one of them said fifteen, yep. which combine are the number of Cooper's room in the Great Northern, which mm-hmm. we remember. We're reminded he, because, of because because yep. she pulls the key out of his pocket. Yep. I thought it was interesting that when he try he first tried to go into which one did he try to go in first? Which what did he? I try think to he go tries to he sort of gets interested in, oh, in panel he, fifteen. He, right, he becomes really preoccupied with panel fifteen, and, and the then, woman is and like the distressed like, by this. Don't go yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. and then she sort of guides him to panel three. And oh, I, I thought it was the same one, but the number changed. Oh, is it? She guides him up out of the room, and when he comes back in, I didn't it know if the number three. changed because the time had changed, or because there are two oh, different yeah, panels, okay. or because they changed locations. Like I, I, it made me wonder was well, for, be, was for some reason the one that had the different number on it uh-huh. related to the other Cooper, and now like something right. has changed that makes it pop know. out yeah. in Dougie. Uh, Who the knows? Clue. Yeah. yeah, no, no one knows. The number changes for reasons. Yeah. Um, also, when he comes back into that room, 
um, he's not accompanied by that woman because she got electrocuted right. and flew off the thing. But there is a woman there who's the actress who played Renette Pulaski. Oh, I couldn't place it. Yeah, that's that's okay. Renette Pulaski. She's in the credits as just, Amazing. I think, American Girl or something wow. very anonymous. Which then is like... Oh, that's interesting. Was it American Woman? Because it might, that It might be. I only say that because the song that accompanies Cooper's Ben's... Mercedes Ben's, like, sort of rolling up to, to the one? crew in episode one is a song called American Woman oh, huh. that is slowed down, like, 500% or something. Maybe, maybe it was that. I, I, but I, that could I be didn't nothing. write down in my notes yeah. what her credit is. She's yeah. not credited as Renette Pulaski, which then is, like, is that because... It's not Renette Pulaski. Is that like? Is that like sure. her sort of like Black Lodge spirit right, name? Is right, it just Cooper right. projecting a face onto yeah. a form? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But either way, that's really interesting. Though, yeah, that's yeah. he. So he sort of has vision slash encounters with Renette Pulaski and Major Briggs in this space. Yeah, yeah. and her her watch says what two fifty three on it, which was the number the giant says to Cooper in. I don't remember if it was episode one or two. Okay. Which is also seems to be, that seemed to be the appointed time yeah, at that's which like Bad Cooper was Bad supposed Cooper's to return. Bad clock stopped briefly on that time and then when Cooper went through well, the- Well, he was like clearly waiting for it and he yeah. knew that was the time he had to avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it was a cheesy video effect, I was very glad that Frost and Lynch figure out a way to get Major Briggs, to get that actor in the I series, agree. even yeah. if it was just for an archival blip of footage from, yep. I guess, Fire Walk With Me. Was it? I don't, I don't know I don't when know. he says blue yeah. rose. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe that's from a missing piece, but um, it was nice. Yeah, I agree. It was out, it was outrageous and ridiculous, and yeah, and, and but seemed why, good. Why would you not want it? Yep, yep, yep. Um, was there anything else you wanted to? Um, I mean, I guess we pretty much talked up to the point that he gets sucked into the. Which is fantastic. Yeah, I know. With the shoes left behind, oh, so good. It was like that. Vi- the the actual effect of him going in was like. The height of all Twin Peaks effect aesthetics combined <laughs> into one, because like Cooper bending and getting sucked into the socket, yeah. looked stupid and deliberately two D. But at the same time, it was really meticulously done and probably a really complicated and annoying effect to get right. The way he yeah. sort of like disappears. But yeah, then just ending with the two shoes just with left behind. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yep. Like that goofy sight gag at the end of what was like. An impenetrable, like impossibly mm-hmm. prolonged and difficult to watch sequence ending with just the goofiest goof. Which then just sets up, a, like, I mean, it, I also enjoy it because it sets up such a ridiculous, like, situation. I wonder, yeah. D- Dougie somehow left his shoes behind, but for different reasons. Like, it seems like he just yeah. wasn't wearing them. He just hadn't put them on. No, that was Cooper. What no. Do you mean? Oh, you mean that when he disappeared- Cooper lands his... at Dougie's apartment, and yeah. then Dougie, even though that was an empty like show house that was for sale, right? That's Dougie true. just his had shoes his were shoes weren't. He yeah, just hadn't put right. them on yet. Very conveniently, yeah. weird property of the of getting sucked in or out of the Black Lodge. <laughs> shoes remain. Yeah, surely not consistent with any other Twin Peaks no. content to date. Who cares? Fuck it. <laughs> well, it might just be. The way Cooper left to knock his shoes off, conveniently, Dougie hadn't yet put his shoes on, so oh, they were there. that's probably actually the case. Like, yeah. uh, but yeah. whatever, irrelevant. I was I was really happy that- Super good. I mean, do you want to talk about d- the Dougie thing? Yeah, I mean- S- Just specifically before we talk about Cooper himself back in the real world? Yeah, well, and maybe we should talk about uh, the character you've been referring to as Bad Coop. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that then. Because that- Because like, that's pretty self I think we can sort of run all of those arcs yeah. up to the convergence point. 
Yeah. When everyone starts vomiting Garmin. <laughs> Garmin Boza, I assume. Yeah. Garmin Bozia. Yes. Yeah, I think that's what that is. Yes. I could never get the, the G and the B in the correct yeah, order. Yeah, Garmin yeah. Bozia. Uh, yeah, so Bad Coop is clearly trying to, I mean, seemingly successfully executing a weird plan involving a, like, manufactured body double. Yeah, um, the creation of a third Cooper vessel equivalent, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, and somehow, re- and somehow what that means, because, I mean, that character yeah. is clearly supposed to be older than 25 years old. Yeah, who knows, so who how, knows what that who means. Who knows by what means that happened. Yeah. But it seemed like... When the after watching this episode, it made me think that when the arm says the phrase "non-existence" out loud, and, and Cooper gets shaken yeah. out of the lodge, that I don't know if that was like the moment that Dougie existed in time or what something was detected. But it seems like so you something think that like the that the Jade character was like implanted with memory. I mean, she clearly has known him lo- longer than her name is Jade. Oh, yeah. You didn't catch that? No. Yeah. Her name is Jade. That's a character from, from Invitation, from to, Invitation Love. to Love. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's a very clearly a different person, but that is... Uh, oh, yeah. That, yep. No. Good. Yep. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't... I don't I, I didn't have... I don't... But the thing I just postulated is garbage and came from nowhere and has no business being on the podcast uh, of where... What... It just... It felt like... The I, imbalance was somehow detected or the moment for it to be resolved happened I assumed right then. That, I assumed the non-existence thing had to do with the fact that, like, this is actually the moment at which something is supposed to happen. Yeah. But but beyond oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, no one could have predicted that there's a Dougie. Yeah. But I anyway, ba- bad coop. Maybe every two episodes we'll get a new Kyle McLaughlin character <laughs> in addition to all the other ones also there. <laughs> and he'll have to completely change how he plays one of them. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, there's this whole sequence with Jade and Dougie. Um, oh, I thought you wanted to talk about Coop. Oh, sorry, bad Coop. You're right. So there's yeah, there's not that, all that much, I guess, really. But he's 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 just driving like a madman, which is where we last saw him when Cooper was looking yeah, through the curtains uh-huh. in episode two. Yeah, he keeps looking at his cigarette lighter, which is notable because it seems like that's where elect- he's expecting. There's electricity comes yeah. from there. Smoke. Both, you know, I like, sort of thought that like when Cooper was sucking through the outlet in the black lodge. I know. I was is, thinking he was. I thought he was going to pop out of, out of yeah. that, and it seems like yeah. Cooper in on Earth is also like if my plan. The the implication seemed to be that like that's if probably his, what would have happened if his plan works. Nothing, nothing will happen will come right out of there. there. Yeah, exactly. But if his plan fails, yes. he and Cooper are going to swap right. through but that. Instead, outlet. he went through the outlet in Dougie's in house. In Dougie's house. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, Cooper. Agent Cooper, who we know, coming through, seems to shake Bad Coop up in a major way. He totally crashes his car. Yeah. And then starts barfing uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the only... That's about it. Yeah. Until until police show up and and, uh, are grossed out by the Garmin Bosia. Yeah. As as you would be. Yes. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, Rancho Rosa... Rancho Rosa is the name name of the the production production company. company. I know. Do you know what that is? I actually haven't looked it up. I don't know. Yeah. It made me... It's also the logo also has double R in it. Yes. The production logo starts yeah. with double R or RR. Yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the Rancho Rosa housing development. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's this whole... Th- yeah, so um, the weird thing about the Dougie plot is that in addition... So it seems the existence of Dougie mm-hmm. is already sort of... Su- is already clearly a huge part of the story of Cooper and his return um, to our world and Bad Cooper's attempt to 
remain in our world. Obviously a big important element there, but there's also this other entire seeming plot line that I can't, it's unclear to me if it's related to that or not, which is the assassins attempting to murder him. Well, we have the assassins attempting to murder him. Last episode, we cut to Las Vegas for one scene as well, which seems like we're in Nevada at least. Oh, are we? Is that where this is? I I imagine since they go to that casino and it's all set in the desert. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. We're We're not not in Las Vegas. That's a good Or if we are, we're... Or if we, nearby, you know, we're, we're adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Nearby, yeah. yeah. Um, my assumption is that those assassins were being paid by Cooper to kill Cooper. That's what I figured. By bad Cooper, you mean? Yeah, they're paid. That's what pay- I figured as well, but, but I don't who know. Knows. Yeah, but it could also be that Dougie is in over his head for something we have no idea what yeah. it is. Like, I think you're probably correct. Um, and through an insane, like, Mr. Magoo situation, which ends up basically being the entire, like, role of, you know, Agent Cooper. For the remainder of the episode, he evades... He evades being assassinated. Assassination by leaning over in the car. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the assassins say, oh, well, he must still be in the house because uh, his car yeah. is still there with the license plate, Dougie Love. Oh, that's right. There's also not... I mean, just to like really drive home how many things this show constantly introduces all the time, there's also... And this maybe this means nothing, but I suspect it doesn't mean nothing. Across the street, there is... Uh, a woman who I think we're taken, we're, we're supposed to take to be an addict of some sort, and what, who I assume is her son. Uh, her son is watching these events un- unfold mm-hmm. across the street through the window, and the woman yells the number one one nine. I had wondered if, for some, I, I this this was an I again. I feel ridiculous on this podcast sometimes, just postulating things that come to my mind because it's it's so hard to know what happens next. Yeah, there's not really any anything to base assumptions. On. No, other than one one nine is nine one one backwards, which is a code for emergency. And in the lodge, everything is backwards. So I was like, is that just like? Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Also, it's really rare that we see. Uh, a single woman and a young child, other than the Tremonts, and that was the only that was like the mm. weird Twin Peaks. It's a good like man, that are just like down on their that are like down yeah. like they always they feel like two people who are like society they encoded to be like yeah. on hard times. Yeah, 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 and this is a way more extreme version of that. But yeah. the combination of that pairing and a number that, if you flip it, is the code for emergency. Were yeah. like things that I thought about, but for no reason. Sure. No, I mean that's they. You know. That's you know. I got nothing um, else. Yeah. Um. So. Do you, what, I mean, do you want to go on to Cooper now? Oh, well, I think we should talk about Dougie and Jade oh, sure, for yeah. a minute. Okay, because, go for it. Um, well, I mean, there's, the story seems to be that Jade, that Jade is per, Pro, probably a prostitute, a prostitute I, that Dougie has yeah. paid a couple of times because she, she seems familiar with him. With him yeah. I was very happy that Jade was in this episode because... Mm-hmm. A thing that Twin Peaks was, I think, especially good at in the first season and has been arguably not good at so far is having all of its complete madness cut through (laughs) adeptly by a normal person. Yes. And Jade just being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is wrong with this? Like, was... It's it's really nice to have like a person, I have things to do. Yeah, to have a person yeah. come in and do that because it kind of takes the pressure off you as an audience member. Just go to be okay, the, like be the straight person. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not I'm not crazy. This uh, you you're enjoying it and watching it, but just being like, okay, the show knows that what it's doing is is yes. wild. Yes, and yes, having yes. having her briefly be able to sort of be on your team uh, is really good. But then also and also just I thought she did a good job of. 
dealing with an insane situation uh, and then also just like just the way that she took care of Agent Cooper who she thought was Dougie I thought was just she Mm -hmm. just did a good job but like having having a just three-dimensional seeming human yes that's a really good point show up in the like was also a really nice cleanse after like you need that decompression 20 minutes of just utter madness craziest stuff to just have her be like Whatever this is, I'll clean you up and take care of you. Yeah. But then I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to leave after <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, yep. And that that was really good. And, like, that role is probably a fairly thankless role. Of just, like, you're a prostitute character who's maybe going to only be in this one scene. Although, man, what if she comes back as a character named Emerald now? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. This is. It was interesting. I, I hadn't. I didn't know that her character's name was Jade. Um, that means that both Jade and Dougie are. She refers re- to herself in the third person, right? Yeah. Both Jade and Dougie are reused names from Twin Peaks because Dougie, yeah, Dougie the, is Doug Milford, Mug, the, yep. which is the name. He's the mayor. He's the yeah. or is he the other one? Is he the? Uh, I can't the remember. Editor? I think he's the. I, editor. He's the editor of yeah. the Twin Peaks Gazette. Yeah. And Doug Doug Milford, aka Dougie, is also the main character of the Secret History of Twin Peaks. Right. So it seems weirdly deliberate that that name would come up a second time, but mm-hmm. I don't know why they have. It's zero clearly things. intentional. Yeah, they have. But, there's but nothing yeah, in common we yet. Have that we no know. way to know why that's so, the case. So yeah. again, yeah. the way that just yeah weird plot gets dabbled out and weird reoccurring things. Yep. Jade. Yep. I didn't catch that and I'm really happy about it. <laughs> so I guess the next big thing is Cooper Cooper goes to Yeah, I thought this was incredible. <laughs> I thought th- I thought this was like funny and utterly heartbreaking and just bizarre. Yeah, Cooper's I, time in the Silver Mustang. Cooper's yeah, Cooper's time in the Silver Mustang Casino, I thought was I mean, and his time with Jade, honestly. Yeah. Like one of the things that so We've mentioned on this show, you know, just in the last couple episodes, I mean, that and and on our our, uh, our episode on uh, Fire Walk With Me, you know, we've talked about how the perspective of Fire Walk With Me seems to treat Leland and Bob and the sort of child abuse of those characters differently than the mainline show does, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like... It's obviously still very steeped in the lore and the mechanics of Twin Peaks as set up in the show. Um, But as a film, that movie takes much more of a metaphorical approach to sort of child abuse and sort of framing this stuff. Now, the Dougie stuff in this episode is played for comedy in a way that obviously and correctly the ab- the abuse of Laura Palmer and murder of Laura Palmer n- never is right. on either the show or the movie. But I will say that I think it was very intentional that Cooper, in his sort of adult state, which I which I assume that mechanically in the show is a result of him spending twenty five years in something that is sort of like a psychic coma. I would imagine, like yeah. he doesn't really interact with people. And then when he comes, in a normal when he, way, when he comes back to reality. There's also nothing to anchor it. Grounding so, him at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, th- so, yes, I understand that obviously mechanically in the story yeah. of the show, there's all these other reasons. But I, I think it was very intentional and to me it was very effective that this elderly, like we also as viewers have not seen Agent Cooper since he was a young man. And right. Kyle McLaughlin, to be fair, has aged 
very well. He looks great, but he's definitely visibly an older man. And putting yeah. him in a casino, a, which is a kind of place that is sort of, I think, famously predatory towards especially older people mm-hmm. who often have fewer um, f- uh, friends and family members around them as support systems um, easier. I mean, if you just go to a casino, it's often really sad to sort of wander around and see yeah. older people pouring and their Cooper life savings encounters into. encounters those people in this scene. He abs- yes, he yeah. absolutely does. And yeah. the the none of the stru- like none of the casino staff, none none of the structure of that place wants to help him even though he's clearly in absolutely right. no shape they're doing, to be they're doing the bare minimum to, to facilitate his winning because he's winning but you get the feeling that if he was losing or did nothing well, they even, wouldn't do anything well, but right? even when he just has five dollars he has who goes into a casino with five dollars right. right he goes into a casino with five dollars takes it to the woman she's like he. this man is clearly not yeah, in yeah, a state yeah. I mean, doing this and all she does is sort of like give yeah, him yeah sorry what, some, I, what I meant is the fact that he's winning is not even like necessarily rewarded or anything any differently than him changing the five dollars or him being very lost when he talks to the security guard at the beginning like yeah he's getting he's getting basically no emotional or human support yeah um and and so that like th- through any of it right and so simultaneously this whole extended scene was Obviously, on one level, just like funny and Kyle MacLachlan played it really well. And it's it's sort of just weird to see Cooper in this situation. Yeah. But also the whole time, it also was it just felt very resonant. I mean, it felt like an older person not fully in command of his own faculties, not being given support, being sort of buffeted around an environment designed to basically prey on him. Um, and it. It, 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 you know, with a character who has been isolated from the world for decades, has no immediate support structure. Like it just it really felt potent to me, not quite to the degree of the sort of Laura Palmer related stuff in Firewalk with me, no. but it felt cut from a related cloth. And mm-hmm. I and it, it was it in part because it was also played for laughs. It sort of gave it this really rich like dimensionality and just made the whole thing feel heartbreaking and bittersweet to me in a way that I would not have expected to feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's it being funny, but hurting you at the same time as you're watching it was good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then he wins a bunch of jackpots. And then he wins a bunch of jackpots by following a little goofy computer effect. By following a little like window of the uh, red room, red room, like image. Yeah. Uh, him seeing the guy say hello and then mimicking it and then just deciding yeah. that that's what you do yeah. like just the way that they've chosen to portray Cooper coming out of his stupor or not coming out of it or staying in it but just like him trying to learn from and replicate the behavior around yeah. him was just was very well done and also mm-hmm. sad but yeah this <laughs> yeah Kyle yeah. McLaughlin does a very good job yeah Kyle McLaughlin is killing it oh one one Cooper observation that oh, sure. I that I yeah, that just coming. I, mean, at this, I could talk about that stuff for. Oh no, but yeah. this is just a funny thing that I found in my notes, which is a thing that Dana said when we were watching the episode. Which is just why is he shuffling and walking so slow? Uh, maybe she said maybe Dougie's shoes don't fit him. Which <laughs> oh man, is, uh, that's really funny. Like yeah, I, I would totally believe that that was the reason that was given because like he, yeah. that's not how how Cooper moves when he's in the red room at all. Like he's in that same stupor. 
I, I, who knows if it's the Dougie yeah. shoes outfit, but I thought that was really funny. On that vein, I need to give my wife Sarah credit for um, uh, bringing up that casino stuff, which I then I've just been not able to stop thinking about it because it hit me so hard. No, that's really good. Um, so Hawk, there was just sort of a little scene with Hawk, a- uh, Andy, and Lucy sitting around this table full of mountains of evidence printed out and this I was not crazy about the first half of this scene the sort of like who's on first was anything missing oh we can't find anything missing oh if it was missing it wouldn't be like I I'm starting to like already get pretty sick of the like remember how wacky like Andy and Lucy are because it's it it's there's without any of the sort of Twin Peaks music or the sort of lightness that these characters played that these actors played these characters with like it, yeah, it, when it is so somber that when I it's can't, that dialogue, but they're also like acting like there's something that they can't remember that's yeah. evading them and it's tragic, like that gets it puts it in a weird light that is less yeah. fun, but it's not tragic comic like the Cooper stuff, it just no, kind of but feels it feels pond- like it ponderous. feels like they're acting like it like, is, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm not really into it. Um, Hawk it just I needs think, those brush drums in the background, it would, it would actually go right? far, it would go far, yeah. Um, Hawk, though, I think. Is uh, or Michael Horse as Hawk? He's tuned is, in. He's, he's really. I think yeah. he's he's nailed because he's got this sort of like contemplative, somber attitude. But one that fits his character because his character has always been uh, a bit more like toned down than the other members of Hawk the sheriff's department. Hawk has been like the Stillwater's Run Deep character Ex- of the sheriff's department. I- exactly. Yeah. yeah. And also the continued absence of Sheriff Truman, who I guess is a permanent absence from this show. Yeah. Um, seems to. I mean, like at I, least of the old crew, Hawk is shouldering some responsibility. Yeah, like when exactly. Cooper comes up, he's like, "I'm the most senior person on the sheriff's department who had anything to do with that case." So like, right. it's like, yeah, I, I it sort feels of like it's it's I buy it's, it from him more. It's on him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also, I mean, the I really appreciated uh, his like he's going through what the log lady told him in his mind, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Got something to do with my heritage." And Lucy is like, "Hawk, you're an Indian." Yeah, I know Lucy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like that 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 interaction between Lucy and Hawk totally like. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Yeah, that it like it, acknowledgement of it. It, yeah. it also helped like take some of the dumb air out of that prophecy. At least, yeah, like, and exactly that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah it was totally. good. Yeah. Uh, also, I thought all the stuff with the bunny was was good. I did too. Again, like five seconds more between each sentence that I want. And like, I yeah. just kind of wish the whole thing was tighter and funnier, but, but, like, but whatever. It, it was, it hit a good Twin Peaks point of being a Twin Peaks returns point, I guess of it's, it's a callback to a now notable among fans line of Cooper saying, yeah. I'm holding in my uh-huh. hand, a box of chocolate yeah. bunnies. I like the actual, like, but the fact that they have the bunny I, so, in Cooper's police file, which means that they like cleared out his hotel, yeah, uh, and that these characters are actually pondering over it as being meaningful. But see, the that, thing is, it totally could be. I know, <laughs> like it feel that actually felt really good. Yeah, like that, I really the, like the that. combination of the throwaway slash esoteric and just like hitting it with legitimate like police procedural yeah, grade like, contemplation. This is a show where creamed corn is like a major element. It's good. Like I thought that yeah. was good. Like I, Hawk, I, I agree. But I totally so agree. that Hawk, yeah, Hawk even did. He's like, it's not the bunny. Is it the bunny? Oh, or is it the bunny? Like, geez. No. But, but mm. <laughs> it's like that. I, I mean, yeah, I, that because was, as a viewer, every, every like, 
every time he said no, uh, my internal answer was like, but it totally but it could, could be. be. Like the fact that Lucy ate that bunny could actually be the thing that's missing. Yeah, like, for for reasons that right, we couldn't who, even possibly yeah. imagine. Yeah, yep. but yeah, it was good to watch Hawk go through the same, just like oh, uh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Jacoby spray paints a bunch of shovels. I, I really feel like on this his is, like shovel painting device. Yeah, on his hilarious like this could easily end with Jacoby just going to Burning Man with Jerry Horn. Like <laughs> I hope it does. It could, right? <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. Someone comes in and they've also got a flamethrower that they attach to this right. thing, and then yeah. his Jacoby's whirling shovel machine just takes off to go to the Black Rock <laughs> Desert where they meet Dougie. Right. We got to talk about a couple more Dougie things also before we oh, get okay. to the FBI thing, yeah, which is Dougie is wearing the ring from Twin Peaks oh Fire Walk God. with me. We, tr- we entirely forgot to talk about Dougie in the Red Room. And Dougie says, my arm, Holy crap, Dougie's yeah. arm goes numb. That's the first conversation between Dougie and Jade. Yes. Which um, I think both Brunette and Laura's arm go numb when they're wearing the ring before they die. Yeah. Dougie, yeah, goes to the Black Lodge, is Mike- Is told that he was manufactured And then he, for a he withers away starting with his arm and the ring falls to the floor- and then he just pops and disappears and turns into a little he brass shrinks sphere, into, yeah, mm-hmm. which Mike then just picks up along with the ring, I think. Yeah, well, he, he so <laughs> it's a complex sequence. So his <laughs> arm shrinks, the ring falls off his shrunken finger, his head is replaced by an orb, which then- And some smoke effect. Yeah, which then itself turns into kind of a weird head thing that looks like the head on the tree slash arm, which then- is condensed into a small bead and then Mike takes the ring and the bead or yeah, just the he, ring? he takes the bead as well. And puts them on a table. On a table, yeah. which at first I thought was the Formica yeah, table from the is. film, but it's just yeah, another it's table that's just, just yeah. made of marble. Yeah. Yeah, so is that the last we ever see of Dougie? It could be. Could well be. It could well be that yeah. Dougie served his purpose I mean, that, that is stated. Is he said yeah. someone manufactured it for a purpose, and but it is now fulfilled. Yeah. So that was. I also kind of appreciate that that the actor who plays Mike is like seems actually baffled by a lot of what's going on. I like. I really to your point about Jade, the importance of Jade as kind of audience surrogate. Yeah. I I'm kind of relieved that even in the red room, the shit that's happening is like, well, this isn't actually supposed to be. Yeah. This is not what's supposed to happen today. Like yeah. we had a fucking schedule here, yeah. and this is not it. Cooper and, like, fell in that swimming pool, and then. Where's Bob? It seems yeah. like I uh-huh. mean maybe that's not literally what they're expecting, but yeah. functionally. But if, it definitely po- feels like he's intentionally looking concerned about this. Yeah, the, way the actor's playing Mike. Yeah, he yeah. is. Like this is not what was supposed to happen. Whatever was supposed to happen. Yeah. Not that a guy called Dougie shows up wearing the ring, <laughs> shrinks away, and disappears. Yeah. I wonder if the fact that Dougie has the I mean Doug, the fact that Dougie has the ring is meaningful. I wonder if the if the actual path of the ring will be known because man I can't remember who has the ring in the film sorry audience that I don't remember who ends up who ends with the ring in Firewalk with me but that's surely meaningful yeah (laughs) because the ring is on Dougie's hand now we'll figure that out yeah Yeah. we will that was man thanks for pulling us back to that people would have been furious yeah because we we talked about where like Bad Cooper his arc went and where Good Cooper's arc went and where Dougie disappeared but yeah all of those paths cross in a bunch of directions and the one we forgot was the trajectory that Dougie takes when he yeah. Yeah. Disappears and turns into an orb and a face and some smoke <laughs> yeah. and a ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> were his shoes left behind? I don't think they were. I don't think so. What if there was a pair of shoes right there? It wouldn't have made sense. There'd be too many shoes there. <laughs> no, he left the shoes in the house. Yeah, Everything, that's true. Oh, shoe right, continuity is maintained. Shoe, yep, yep, yep. All shoes accounted for. At the end of this, there's going to be three pairs of shoes because there's going to be bad Coop's shoes, good Coop's shoes, and <laughs> which are in Dougie's that room shoes. with Renette Pulaski and yeah. Dougie's shoes. Yeah. 
Hopefully the final shot of Twin Peaks The Return is Burnett Pulaski putting Cooper shoes on like a little kid wearing mom and dad's shoes and tromping around <laughs> that room. Uh, um, all right. So at the FBI, Albert yeah, we is just there. Yeah, we just get a cut to Philadelphia office. Yep. When it cut into Philadelphia, were you excited? I actually did not. I didn't connect the dot because this show has like thrown so We've many different place, yeah. like establishing shots and locations. Yeah, and I, and I think it was only... It's not talked about very often that that uh, Gordon Cole's out of the Philadelphia office, but then it was surely in Firewalk with me, in Firewalk with I me, it was. I didn't draw that. But then surely when it cut in, uh, yeah. you were stoked. Yes, yes. Seeing Albert and Gordon Cole. Yes, and the and uh, well, yeah. Seeing Albert and Gordon Cole again, the best. Yeah, like super it's, good. It 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 was actually cutting into them felt even more than some of the other characters. Like I was just like, it has been so long since I saw you guys. And I think it's yeah. because their involvement in season two was reduced. Mm. Like I associate them so much more, I, even though they were in Firewalk with me, I guess I associate yeah. them so much more with the early Twin Peaks time. Like yeah. Gordon Cole. I forgot how early Gordon, Gordon Cole's introduced in the original series. He's on yeah. the phone in one of the first episodes. Yeah, even, yeah. And then he shows up really early. The third agent who's with them is FBI agent Tamara Preston, mm-hmm. who is the... Uh, agent in charge of collab or of of annotating and collecting the entire secret history of Twin Peaks. So she is the oh. only new character introduced in the secret history of Twin Peaks who we've it, seen. Who we've seen? Yeah, it, expl- it Well, yeah, it, it explicitly starts with her saying, "Gordon Cole asked me to go through the archivist's work and annotate this against my findings about Twin Peaks and against sort of Gordon's case file." So I don't know if the her act of going through that was supposed. To, I don't know. I. I don't remember if there's a date on it or not, and if the act, if her act of going through Gordon's file was supposed to take place before season three or after season three, but she definitely is a character who, at some point, has a history Familiarity with, with, with Twin case. Peaks yeah. and with the case um, in a, probably a slightly different way, even than either Gordon or Albert do, because her job was just to obsessively yep. look it all up. That's really interesting. of course when yeah. we when we come into this scene, they're doing nothing related to yeah. anything Twin yes. Peaksy. Yeah, they, when we enter the scene, there. I, I mean, I could be wrong because the show. This season certainly has no bones about connecting like eight million threads all the time, but it opens with what I'm currently assuming is basically a throwaway gag, which is uh, oh the congressman's dilemma. Yeah, which yeah, it's uh, it's Cole and Albert Rosenfeld discussing this like murder case of a man murdered his wife or something. Yeah, and the evidence on display like in increasingly sort of ridiculous. Um, kind of progression is various photos of women in like swimwear and stuff I think a boy a gun and then a jar of beans yeah to which Cole <laughs> exclaims the congressman's dilemma yeah and and that's that and then it's yeah and then Agent Preston actually sort of brings us back home by starting to show photos of the couple who were watching the box right that's right yeah the yes she's like we don't know who owns this building. We didn't know what this right. what, this is like a crazy thing. I actually wasn't certain until that moment if those people were actually physically murdered in the real world. Now or we know not. they were murdered in they a definitely messed were. up way. <laughs> Isn't that what murdered. Gordon says? What the hell about? Yeah, he goes, What the goes, hell? What the hell? Yeah. Because she outlines all the stuff that was in the room and they yeah. all seem sort of surprised by the operation existing at all. Yeah. Including like including the the they have the SD that, like, cards too right yeah the ca- I mean a new, a thing I thought was interesting was that the cameras are actually able to pick up some like f- blips of what is happening inside the box so like for a few frames at a time I thought that that will have a true. weird body right and we we sort of this scene sort of explains why they have so many cameras 
because it seems like basically a, almost a roll of the dice, or if not, there's some mechanism. Only one camera had any of it, and even then, only for a few frames. Right. And so they basically, like, the setup of that room was to get as much redundancy as possible yeah. to, to increase the likelihood that the, anything will show yeah, up. Yeah, that, that tracks with the one thing that you see the the guy whose job was, because he gets the phone call and they say camera three. Right, and he has to go And then he takes the, the SD card yeah. and put it away where it's like, okay, let's get this out of the room and under lock and key because yeah. it might have some frames on it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yep. Which, yeah, is confirmed by the stuff from Agent Preston. Um, anyway, someone then, I guess, Cole's secretary shouts yeah. at him. I thought this was incredible. Cole, on your phone. It's Cooper. Like, on your phone. Who would ever say that yeah. in that way? I love that his secretary apparently talks like he does and has the same relationship to technology that David Lynch himself seems to. That's such a minor thing, but yeah. I really enjoyed Cole on your phone. It's Cooper. On the Inland Empire DVD release, there's like th- th- these interviews with David Lynch. And one of them is like asking him about watching movies on your telephone and w- on your like cell phone and whether that's mm-hmm. a good thing or not. And he has this this rant that's incredible. Well, it is a bad thing. And well, yeah, I know, but I just mean in his his response. I mean, yes, is like he's, it's it's such a sadness to uh, yeah to watch so watch a film on your fucking telephone. Get real, and he gets like increasingly agitated as he yeah. goes through this. And I, I, it is one of my favorite things yeah. in life. And it's, this just really reminds it's me. It's so good. Um, <laughs> Sorry, let's get back no. to the actual television show we're watching. Then, sorry, I'm just going to keep hammering on this for a second. Just to further, like, paint the Gordon Cole, like, portrait, we are then shown the rest of his office, which includes an absolutely massive photograph of an atomic bomb mushroom cloud. And on the other side of the room, a photograph of Franz Kafka. Yeah. So there's just this, like, this scene, I was just, like, candy. Just Gordon Cole catnip I, I thought it was amazing yeah it's uh oh so i don't know if you noticed this or not but the place that they said they found cooper is in south dakota South Dakota, yeah which is the wrong cooper right yeah south dakota is is where bad cooper crashes buckhorn. his car yeah so um Re- is it buckhorn since? i don't i don't remember but they say it's in south dakota and that's so the the trail um Dana's the one who pointed that out to me because I was too dense to notice it. But when when they get all excited about Cooper, my assumption was, oh, the casino security or right. something yeah, has yeah, found yeah. it. But what actually, it, it was the cops who arrest Bad Coop for getting in his car accident, for sure, yeah, that then gets called yeah. up to the FBI because he's been operating in real life under the name Dale Cooper this whole time. That'll that'll be interesting to see in the next episode of Twin Okay, Peaks Buckhorn is in South Dakota. Okay, so that's yeah. all, that's all, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. been operating around Buckhorn for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, there's also just some classic Gordon Cole mishearing. Yeah. This is something that Sarah picked up on that I didn't. Uh, and she, I think she said she only picked up on it because this was the second time she'd watched this episode. Yep. And um, Albert is like, South Dakota, seriously? And then Gordon Cole responds with, we can't put this on the radio. And she said, is that like serious, like X, like HD radio, like serious is he mis- right. is somehow mishearing like which is such a weird modern thing for but also like satellite radio is right. something that is like totally targeted at like 
I feel like baby boomers, right. basically. So it's sort of is weirdly, David Lynch, yeah, making a, radio, a reference to Sirius XM. I think so. Yeah, I think that's what that is. I think he mishears seriously as like Sirius XM. <laughs> Because, which is insane. It's so lame. What a weird jump. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, yeah, because then there's a much more, much more direct one of these misinterpretations where Albert's like, oh, I've never been to Mount Rushmore. And Cole is like, it's good that you want to hurry. Like, it's just so. <laughs> yeah. It's so lame and ridiculous yeah. and absurd. I love the way that Lynch sells those mishearing things, though. I think it's yeah. very good. He he, they're so they're so dumb that they're they're easy to miss. It's and the good version he, of who's on first shtick, though. I feel it like. is the good version of that, in part because he doesn't he doesn't hammer on like he, he just rolls he through just it. yells it out and keeps going, and you don't really if you if you don't draw this like bizarre connection from seriously to serious XM, then it just passes on by yeah. and it it's sold already because Gordon Cole is an intrinsically hilarious character. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just wanted to comment on that because it was so it's good. ridiculous. The episode ends in the roadhouse yep. as episode one, episode, episode one? two, episode two also did. There are some uh, regions and some versions of watching Twin Peaks episode one where they edited episode one and two into a continuous episode with no opening credit sequence. Also, I believe just just to just to really just to really make sure the numbering. Sure yeah, because I talked to forever. some friends who watch it on some service or another who said, "Oh, I watched the first episode." Yeah, and and it and they're like it was two hours. Well, yeah. Damn it. It does make more sense as a single two-hour thing. But, it does. But and it also makes sense that the way that that episode has a different opening credits and doesn't end on the Roadhouse, but episodes two and three, and I saw four all, uh, and four does. I think the mm. Roadhouse end is a consistent okay. yeah. is a consistent device that Lynch yeah. is employing. Um, the only thing I have to say about this, and this applies to um, to the, the previous time we were in the Roadhouse as well, it's notable to me, and this is not surprising given the approach to music in this season, it's notable to me that live performance is actually scored realistically as performance, whereas in the original uh, run of Twin Peaks, pretty much every time characters were playing music live, whether it was a professional sort of singer or band at the Roadhouse or whether it was... Or Windermerl on the, his flute. Or Windermerl, it's true, Windermerl on his flute. Or whether it was the teens playing their hilarious You and I yep. song together. All of those, in every single case, um, the thing you were hearing was something that only could have been created in a studio. It was, there was never, it was never diegetic. Of, it was like, always, of, yeah. yeah. of studio reverb applied to it. Um, it was, yep. it was pr- pr- like presented in the fiction as being created live, but yep. was never played that way and i'm not saying that like the roadhouse is actual a live actually live recording it may well not be it may have been recorded separately and dubbed but it was recorded as though it is actually musicians playing it mm-hmm. which is just not how the original twin peaks showed music yeah. and i have no insight about that other than that in this series generally uh lynch seems to have a much more naturalistic approach towards a lot of the aesthetic yep. including that and i just wanted to observe that um, all right. Well, is that? I guess that wraps it up. These have been long episodes. I guess these are actually long episodes of the show. Yeah. Like these episodes because there's no commercial these breaks. These are have, full hours, yes. which is not how the original run yep. of Twin Peaks was. And uh, as a result, I don't think we have time for mail again this week or this episode. Oh, I didn't even. Yeah. But it's okay. I feel like the fact that these are that episode one and two and episode three and four are being aired back to back, and we're doing two episodes a week. Yeah. It's 
it's all right. We'll do we'll do your thoughts on episodes three and four with our next episode, which totally. will which will come out in the middle of this week. Yeah. So um, if you've got thoughts on the season so far on episodes three or four, write us at Twin Peaks at idlethumbs.net and be sure to put the episode number or episode range in question in the subject of the email so that it helps us sort of sort out what's yep. going on. Although, if you yeah, just do that because then moving forward we'll be able to yeah, it'll f- just file things um, if you get ahead of us, etc. Mm-hmm. Tall friend, if you like this show, it means a lot to us. We've seen a bunch of people continue to spread the word on uh, on Twitter and forums and elsewhere, and it is awesome. Yeah, thanks for telling your friends about the show. Yes, thank you so much. Read us on iTunes if you think we deserve it. Or, and, as it's known now to many people, Apple Podcasts. Oh, is it? Okay. It got renamed as just the Apple Podcasts app in okay. a lot of places. But well, yeah, rate us in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast listener slash browser <laughs> of choice that yes. has reviews in it. Exactly. Our website is TwinPeaksRewatch.com, and it's got links to, to all of our related stuff. I can't wait to come back in a few days and talk about episode four. I can't wait to watch episode four. I'm so four. excited for you to see episode Everyone four. Everyone is like excited about episode four, and I am I am just like burning up. So I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to talk about it. Be back in a few days. And uh, for Idle Thumbs, I am Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. Bye. Bye. Bye.